Scripture reading this morning will be Exodus chapter 19, verses 3 through 8. Exodus 19, verses 3 through 8, and that will be on page 67 of the Pew Bible. While Moses went up to God, the Lord called him out of the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob, and tell the people of Israel, You yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians, and how I bore you on eagles' wings, and brought you to myself. Now, the, now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my commandment, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples, for the earth is mine. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and, of, and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the people of Israel. So Moses came and called the elders of all the people and set before them all these words that the Lord has commanded him. All the people answered together and said, all that the Lord has spoken, we will do. And Moses reported the words to the people, to the Lord. Good morning. It is good to see each of you. If you're a guest, again, we welcome you. It encourages us that you're here, and we hope that we can be an encouragement to you. It is wonderful to have periods of time set aside to remind us of things that we ought to know and be grateful for, and we ought to live each day as a reminder of that. But God knows us, and He set in place memorials, and then many nations know the nature of mankind, and therefore many nations have set in the place of memorials. And so to each that have sacrificed for our country, we're grateful. And Today or tomorrow, this weekend, especially, we're mindful of those uh, who've given the ultimate sacrifice of their life. You see a few of our heroes in our American history of Betsy Ross there and George Washington. And on this next slide, you see some Mount Juliet local heroes. Uh, there's Holly and Lucas or Betsy and George Jenkins there. And uh, that was in the Mount Juliet News uh, yesterday as there we're here just at the Field of Honor where the Field of Flags are to give a memorial to uh, those that have given their life and uh, we're thankful uh, that God gives us a wonderful nation and let's not take it for granted. Let me give you quickly a few very important reminders. There are brochures telling about our summer faith series out in the foyer, and we have some tremendous speakers lined up. Tremendous topic begins Wednesday night. You don't want to miss it. Probably no reason to try the comparison game, but I'll just go out and say this. Potentially could be one of the greatest summer series uh, we've had. Uh, truly, some tremendous speakers lined up. Remember, Thursday will begin Destination Unknown, and it will meet in the upper fellowship room. Also remember on June 24th and 25th, Stronger Together is our marriage seminar, two sessions on Friday night, two sessions on Saturday morning. You are asked to sign up if you want to be a part of that. And we encourage you to be a part of that. Lonnie Jones will do a tremendous job. I don't care how long you've been married, you will benefit from coming uh, to that session to strengthen our relationships. And then last week we gave the details about our homecoming that's coming up, 125 year anniversary homecoming. Saturday on the 13th will be events taking place throughout the day. And then on the 14th Sunday will be homecoming day itself, if you will. And a lot of things leading up to that. 
here are ways that you can stay in touch through Facebook or Instagram or Twitter. And I think within about 24 hours, I, I believe it's over 600 already uh, were a part of the Facebook group. And so we're thankful. Stay in touch there. This is just a reminder, if you were not here last Sunday, uh, follow us through one of these ways so that we can make this just a tremendous, tremendous day. Received a text this past week, just great news, and was asked to pass this on to you. David Jackson, an elder, a deacon at the Great Oaks Congregation, said, hey, just wanted you guys to know that as a result of the 12 questions campaign last summer that you guys were a part of here at Great Oaks, uh, a lady was baptized this week. Said she made contact with us. She showed up at the building and she was still carrying her book that would pass out about the one question that studies the plan of salvation. And it's pretty awesome to think that that was left at her house. And here it is almost a year later. She digs it out and studies and she becomes our brother and sister in Christ this week. And so we rejoice about that. We know of at least two or three other 12 question type campaigns that's taking place this summer. And even this past week or two, I've already received uh, at least two contacts from other places, even other states wanting to know more about it. And so it's neat to see the seeds that are being sown there. Last week, we rejoiced with many of our youth that grew up here that are going to serve as interns somewhere this summer. And I don't know how I left Amelia Black's name off the list, but she's top shelf. And uh, we knew, I knew she was going to be there at Graymere, but just didn't think about it when I was typing uh, the previous list. And I apologize for that. Uh, we love Amelia deeply and uh, we appreciate she's had such a great congregation uh, there at Graymere. Uh, it truly is a great, great combination there. Uh, with them. And we rejoice with all of our young people that are part of that. Be sure and be mindful in prayer of them. And as you're praying for people, you might want to pray for Austin and Bailey as they'll get married this weekend. We mentioned last week that he is beginning a two-year youth minister in residence. But the reason I mentioned him again today is as his graduation from Freed Hardeman University, uh, the highest honor that's given to any graduate is given by the faculty, chosen by all of the faculty, and it's called the Faculty Scholarship Leadership Medal. And Austin was awarded that. And uh, not only for his 4.0, but also for his great leadership ability on campus. Uh, his peers look up to him. And even faculty greatly appreciate him. And then if there needs to be an exclamation mark after that, Imagine doing all of that and having that kind of influence on campus without going your senior year. Austin graduated in three years, and it's amazing to have that kind of impact on a campus without having your traditional senior year. Uh, we knew that he was top notch, and we counted a great blessing. Uh, that he is willing to come and spend two years here. He's already spent two summers here. We love him deeply and we appreciate him and we admire the way he uses the gifts that God has given him. And we just want to rejoice with those who uh, rejoice this morning and, uh, and give honor to whom honor is due. Covenants. God made many covenants throughout scripture. Individuals made many covenants throughout scripture. Nations made many covenants throughout scripture. We mentioned recently that God made a covenant with Noah. And you remember that every time that we see the rainbow in the cloud, we know that that is the sign of the covenant that God will never destroy the earth again with water. 
God made one of the most powerful covenants that we read about in scripture with Abraham. About seven distinct times God shows up in scripture to speak to Abraham. A few of those times, one is making the covenant and other times it's reminding or renewing the covenant. But this morning, I'd like for us to think about the marvel of another covenant. And it's the covenant that God made with Israel. I remind you of the time that there was a famine and Israel moved down to Egypt, welcomed by their relative Joseph, who had been sold into slavery by his brothers. That group of about 70 members of the family made Egypt their home and they thrived. Over the next 400 or so years, they would become a powerful group of people. And because of that, the Egyptians would become concerned and fearful. What if they take sides with one of our neighboring enemies? And because of that, they became enslaved. God raised up Moses and sending Moses to tell Pharaoh to let my people go. And 10 plagues later, they are crossing the Red Sea on dry land to look back to see it crash in upon their enemies, the Egyptians that were pursuing them. While they were there, if you can imagine now this little group of 70, we don't know for sure how large it was, but some say it could have easily been a million people. Some say it could have been two million. Let's just say this, it was a huge number of people. How are you gonna feed them out on a journey from Egypt to the deliverance that they have of the promised land. Another marvel that God did was he sent bread from heaven. And then when they were about to thirst to death, he brought water that would sustain life from a dead, dry rock. And then within three months, they're going to experience one of the greatest marvels one of the greatest works that they would experience. And it was being invited into a covenant relationship with God. Later on in this story, he would speak of this covenant again. And in that sense, it would be like a renewal, a reminder of it. And I wanna begin with this and then drop back to when God first said it. Read with me, if you will, of what God said to Moses and to the people in Exodus 34 and 10. Behold, that word is to get your attention. Are you looking at this? Are you gazing at this? Are you grabbing this? Behold, I make a covenant before all your people. I will do marvels such as have not been done in all the earth, nor in any nation. And all the people among whom you are shall see the work of the Lord, for it is an awesome thing that I will do with you. You remember back at the beginning of the year, we spent a lot of time talking about that word marvel and in the Hebrew it's Paula. And that word deals with, with a work that is done that is so great, so successful, but it is so powerful that it is distinguished. And what is meant by that is you look at the work and say, who can do that? Look at that. Nobody else can do that. And God is saying to Moses and to Israel, I'm forming a covenant with you. 
and all the nations are going to know that your God is involved in this covenant because nobody else can do the things that I'm going to do. And then notice the end of what we just read there in verse 10 when he says, not only this is what I'm going to do, but he also says, for it's an awesome thing that I will do with you. You see, God has already shown them marvels. We've mentioned them. That's why I went over those things. The 10 plagues, the crossing the Red Sea on dry land, the bread from heaven, the water. God's already showed them marvels. But now what he is saying in a sense is you haven't seen them all yet. We're going into a land where there's going to be a conquest. And I'm going to go before you, but I'm also going to use you. And together, you're not going to believe the enemies we're going to destroy. Word is going to get out that whenever the Israelites are coming, they're coming with the power of their marvelous God. And they will fear. You know the story of Jericho, perhaps. If you know that story, you know that, that Rahab already feared them because she knew what their God had already done. This covenant and all of the, the marvelous works that surrounded the fulfillment of this covenant well, it's just a marvel. It's awesome. It's amazing. And if you and I flip through these pages and, and we just take them as, as stories with no meaning, we miss God. You remember the beginning of this year, one of the pleas that I made to you that as we study this this year is to help us get a better understanding of who is God. And then we look at things that God has done and I urged you, don't get caught up in just saying, wow, look how awesome that is. But pause and think, if that is awesome, who has done that? In other words, the next time I see a beautiful sunset, don't get wrapped up in the sunset where all you say is, wow, look at that beautiful sunset. Pause and say, who made that sunset? He is marvelous. Let's not get so wrapped up in all of the events surrounding this covenant that we say, can you believe those things happen? But let's accomplish what God was seeking to accomplish. He was drawing Israel to see him, to know him, and to be in a covenant relationship with him. You remember last Sunday night, as we went over some of the characteristics of covenant, we said it was a lot more than a promise. It was made to draw people closer together. And that was a huge emphasis. This morning, what I want to do is I want to give you a few more characteristics of a covenant, except this time what I want to do is place some emphasis on some of the content that would be typical in a covenant that God made with people, okay? The content of a covenant that God would make with people. Now keep in mind, we're used to legal documents today where everything is just line after line after line after line. And I'm not saying when you go in scripture that every time God makes a covenant, each one of these are filled out just as if it's a form being completed. I'm not saying that. But I am saying to you that oftentimes when God made a covenant, you can see each of these aspects, characteristics as a part of the content of the covenant. So what are they? Number one, as you'd expect, the identification of the parties. Who's this made with? In other words, you realize that when you read the Old Testament, the covenant made with Israel, the Old Testament covenant wasn't made with everybody on the earth in that day and time. It was only made with Israel. Number two, often God would give a brief history explaining why he is establishing this covenant with them. Number three, 
there would be therein the obligations of the parties spelled out. What's expected of them? Number four, then the benefits would be explained if you keep this. And also the consequences would be explained if you do not keep this. Number five, we see the provisions for remembering the covenant. Here we are, Memorial Day weekend. God has always established ways to help us remember what we should not forget. But by nature, we are forgetters. And so we ought to take advantage of any opportunity that God gives us to remember. The memorial that we took place in just a few moments ago is an important way that God established for us to remember important things. Also, we see that oaths are made. In other words, promises are made. We've said several times now over the past few weeks, covenants contain promises, but covenants and promises are not synonyms. In other words, a covenant is not something as simple as a promise. That's a part of it, but it's a lot more than a promise. And then there are going to be witnesses involved. And then also once entered, it was not to be altered. Galatians 3 and 15 makes that very clear that once it's entered, it is not to be altered. I mentioned to you last week, one of the great aspects of a covenant that I'd like to, for you to have in your mind all as we study along the way here is that a covenant by God shapes your future. That's absolutely amazing. We're accustomed to thinking about what we do yesterday shapes our today. And it's that sowing and reaping law that God puts in place. That is definitely true. There, there is merit. There's truth that, yes, sowing and reaping, the past shapes our future. But I want you to also notice that if we go into a covenant relationship with God, God's covenants are always leading toward the future. And God knows where he is leading us. In other words, God's covenant is going to be fulfilled. Remember, if God says something's going to happen for the people that keep this covenant, it's going to happen. Just quick reminder, when God came to Noah and said, Noah, there's coming a flood, but I'm going to give you time to build a boat and I'm going to tell you exactly how to build it. You see, those next several years, when you walk up to Noah and say, why are you building the boat? He could say, because of my future. Now, I don't know if that's the way he would have answered it, but he could have said that, right? Noah, how do you know your future? Because I'm in a covenant with God and whatever God says will happen. Listen, for us as Christians, do you realize how much we know about our future? And so if we walk in covenant relationship with God, we know what judgment day is gonna look like. We know where we're gonna spend in eternity. So in that sense, because we're in that covenant relationship with God, the obligations of that covenant begin to shape us today. And so it is our future that is shaping us as well as our past that's shaping us. And to me, that is just, that is significant in understanding how important covenant relationships are that, that uh, especially when we're in those with God. Now, we just mentioned several of the content and we just had scripture so capably read just a few moments ago. I'd like to take your eyes back to Exodus the 19th chapter. If, if you want to uh, look in your Bible, of course, that would be great. But I'm gonna put a few notes on the screen to just kind of expedite this because we've already read this passage this morning. But I want you to notice not all of the content 
uh, is in this one brief setting. But when we look in the 19th chapter in verse one, we see the identification of the third month and Israel is there out of the land of Egypt. And we see in verse two that they're in the wilderness of Sinai. And then as we are going into verse three, we see the identification of the parties. Moses is being spoken to by God and God says that he's going to make this with the house of Jacob, with the children of Israel. And then he gives a brief history in verse four that we read. And you have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought to you myself. Why do you think God's doing that? God is using the very recent past to say, I'm going to make some promises. And unless you have a great belief in me, you're not going to believe I can do what I say I can do. But I remind you of what I've just done. I've just delivered you from one of the most powerful nations on earth. And I delivered you like you were on eagle's wings. I brought you right out of there. And so that's the history I want you to have in mind so that you will believe me when I tell you how awesome your future can be. And, but there's obligations in the covenant. Look at verse 5. You're going to have to obey my voice. This is a conditional covenant. And then we see the benefits that's going to come from that mentioned about being a special treasure to me. That's, that's an awesome phrase, that we can be a special treasure to God. And then in verse 6, he's going to make us kingdom of priests. And then also in verse 6, a holy nation. And then we come down to verse 8, and we see that the oath is given. When Moses went back and spoke to the people, notice what they all said together. All the Lord has spoken, we will do. And Moses takes that oath back to the Lord and tells the Lord. So on this next screen, we see the idea of, of what we've just read. We've seen the general terms of all that we've talked about over the last few minutes. But then in the next few verses, and I don't have these on the slide, so if you have your Bible open and you want to glance over, over the next few verses in the 19th chapter, beginning verse 10, we see that he offers uh, the expectations that they were to consecrate themselves. And you say, well, what, what does it mean for them to be consecrated? Well, here what they were to do, and there's time in Genesis where they were actually like change their clothes in a sense, almost like put on new clothes. But here, remember they're out traveling. Uh, they, maybe they didn't have easily the access to other clothes to put on. And so what were they to do? They would wash their clothes. They were to make themselves ready. And God tells them in these verses through Moses, I'm going to show up in three days. You have two days to consecrate yourself. That's the idea of cleansing and of sanctification. You get yourself ready because I'm going to show up and I want you to be consecrated. Now, I hesitate to go into this quickly and leave it quickly because I don't want to stir waters of misunderstanding. And so let me go ahead and tell you that if you draw this conclusion from what I'm about to say, you've drawn a conclusion that I don't think is correct. I don't think that anywhere in the scripture does it say that we have to wear our Sunday best to come to Sunday morning service. I think that's a tradition that's been said a lot of years, but there's not biblical precedent for that statement. But on the other hand, when you hear someone say, well, God has never cared how we look. He's never cared. All God wants us to do is be there. Well, that's not true either. 
Now, you and I know we don't live under the old covenant, but I want you to note this because I think this is important. God says, I'm going to show up in three days. And what I want you to do is I want you to get yourself ready. And so they were to take their clothes and they were to clean their clothes. They were to make preparation. They were to come. God never said there, you got to have on your very best clothes. In other words, what we do know was that there ought to be some kind of preparation. There ought to be some kind of gathering. What application should we be thinking about as we study this? Not only our physical clothing, we also should be giving some consideration to what about ourself as a person? Remember Colossians 3, there are some things we take off and there are some things we put on. And that's language. It sounds a whole lot like clothing there. In other words, when the Lord comes again, think about right now, and I'm going to use symbolic language here. The Lord's coming again in three days. Symbolic language from here. You got two days to prepare. Are you living your life right now preparing for the coming of the Lord? How did they prepare? They washed their clothes. How do we prepare? You remember some of the language that the apostles used? You need to be baptized. Why? For the washing away of your sins. There needs to be a spiritual cleansing in our life so that we're consecrated, so that we're sanctified, so that we're set apart, so that we're ready for him. But I also would like for you to not miss the point that even though the children of Israel, and, and I'm going back to this extreme over here where, where people say, oh, God never says anything about getting ready. There are times that God speaks about getting ready. The side over here that says, well, we live in the presence of God all the time. I mean, that's foolish to say we need to get ready to go as, as we're going to be like in the presence of the teaching of God's word, which by the way, that's what God was going to do when they came in his presence. He was going to teach his covenant to them. So what's the point? We are in one sense in the presence of God 24-7. But there is another sense that the scripture speaks of as an awesome blessing when we can come together with God's people and we can gather together and together in fellowship, we can worship and pour out adoration to God. And a part of that worship is to have ears and hearts open that says, God, speak your word. I want to know your will for me. There's something beautiful about that. There's something special about that. And whenever we treat it as if it's just another appointment in the day, are you listening to me? I'm struggling with you on this because we live busy lives. And you wake up Sunday morning and you say, how are we going to make it to that ball practice in the afternoon? And how are we going to make it to that luncheon? And how are we going to make it to this appointment? How are we going to make it to that? I tell you what, we'll go here, we'll go here, we'll go here. And you know what? Sunday morning worship is just another appointment. And I'm telling you, it's not. It's not just another appointment. It's something that we ought to prepare for and we ought to recognize the awesome blessing that it is to come together and in some way, and I'm not trying to create details that God doesn't create, but there ought to be some kind of consecration going on in our life. I didn't get it at all. And, and by the way, if you walk away from this saying that washing three stooges on Sunday morning is wrong, you got the wrong detail too. Let me give you an application, okay? Application. Sunday morning when I was growing up, and if you're as old as I am and no cable TV, 
Sunday morning, Three Stooges, right? If you grew up in the Middle Tennessee area, Three Stooges. I'd be watching Three Stooges and eating cold cereal, which if you want a little sideline, the only meal out of 21 meals mom would not cook was Sunday morning breakfast. And so that was the only morning had cold cereal. So I'm getting a treat. I'm getting cold cereal. And, uh, and I'm watching Three Stooges. I can't tell you how many times, how many times mom would come through on Sunday morning. She'd say, son... You know, I'm not really fond of Three Stooges to begin with, but I just can't hardly stomach them on Sunday morning when I'm thinking about going to worship. You know how much sense that made to me as like a 10-year-old boy? That made no sense. None. But you know what? She was at a much different place of spiritual maturity than I was. As we grow spiritually, we ought to grow in our love and appreciation for the times we can come together. And just as any awesome event that you get to attend, you look forward to it, you make plans, you get yourself ready, I want to encourage you to realize that that's one of the great blessings of being in a covenant relationship with God is that he's constantly trying to draw us closer to him. So God speaks this general terms of this covenant. Moses goes back and tells the people. And the people say, we're going to do it. And so Moses goes back and tells the people, we're going to do it. And God says, well, let me tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to come down in presence. And I'm going to speak to the people this covenant. And so you got three days for them to get ready for God to show up. And so if you've got your Bible open and you start scanning verse 16 through 20, what you see is that on that third day, the people were told that they could not touch the mountain or they would die. There was boundaries put in place. And it began to thunder and lightning. And there was a trumpet sound that was the announcement, if you will, almost like a herald saying, the one is coming. And it was loud. And then God showed up in fire on the top of Mount Sinai and smoke filled the top of that mountain. Are you getting a vision of, of what this might have been to be standing there and you're at the edge of the mountain and there's thunder and lightning. There's this trumpet that's very loud and there's this fire coming down and smoke is surrounding the mountain. It would have been an awesome or marvelous time and then when God was there in full presence the mountain quaked as a matter of fact this had an effect and you might say well why did God do this drop back and read with me verse 9 again and this is why God did it Exodus 19 and verse 9 and the Lord said to Moses behold I come to you in the thick cloud that the people may hear when I speak with you and believe you forever. You see what he's saying, right? Moses, if I just told you to go back and talk to the people, they might eventually think, maybe this is Moses doing this. Maybe this really isn't God. He says, listen, I'm gonna show up this time and this first time I'm gonna speak to them what the covenant is. And you better believe from now on, they will know who I am. 
They're going to see the marvels like thunder and lightning and trumpets and fire and smoke and a quaking mountain. And the people are going to know this isn't just Moses giving his thoughts here. Skip down, if you will, and read with me verse 19 and 20. Exodus 20, verse 19. This is after God spoke the Ten Commandments to, to them. And notice what they said. And, and I can't help but find a little bit of humor in it, but I'm sure if we'd have been in their shoes, it wouldn't have been humorous at all. Then they said to Moses, you speak with us and we will hear, but let not God speak with us lest we die. And then in 20, Moses said to the people, do not fear for God has come to test you and that his fear may be before you so that you may not sin. What do we see there? God made his point. Did they think God was a great and awesome God? Absolutely. And so on one hand, sounds contrary, doesn't it? On one hand, Moses says, but don't fear God. You see, he's speaking to the gracious nature of God. God wants you to be close. God wants to preserve you. Don't fear God. But then he speaks to, it's, it's like Romans 11 language, the goodness and the severity of God in one verse here. And then he says, oh, but yes, it's true. God is testing you. And if you want to read more about the way God tested Israel at various times, read the first 10 verses of Deuteronomy 8. And that's where when Moses is given the, the covenant for the second time, and, and it's just powerful the way he describes why God allowed them to be tested. He wanted to know their heart. He wanted to know if they really loved him or not. And then, so he closes verse 20 by saying there that his fear may be before you. In other words... We should have a great fear if we're not going to serve God. We will get in this study to the topic of the new covenant. Should we be afraid of God as we study the new covenant? Not in the sense that he's unjust. Not in the sense that, that he's a God that takes vengeance against everybody and there's no hope. No, we shouldn't fear him. But should we fear him if we're not going to live by his covenant? You would be a fool to not live by God's covenant and not be afraid of him. I don't know how you could get any deeper into foolishness than to know God, know his covenant, and know you're not going to live by it and know that you're going to stand up against God one day knowing you're not obeying. So what do we see here? In the last few minutes here, I'd, I'd like for you to see the next few screens. I'm just going to give you a quick kind of description. If you have your Bible open in, in Exodus, the 20th chapter, you see that God came down and spoke the Ten Commandments. But then if you also have your Bible open, you'll notice that chapter 21, 22, and 23 there were other laws that were given that pertain to them in their religious life, but also their civil life because they are an earthly nation. On this next slide, we put some of the headings, if you will, of these laws. Here are some things that were covered in those four chapters. Laws concerning, concerning servants, violence, animal control, property, justice, Sabbaths, annual feast days, and instructions of the angel that's going to lead them and his promise. 
Now, as we go to the next slide, I'd like for you to notice that God made an oath with the people. And the people said in the 24th chapter in verse three, when Moses came down and he read all of the book of the covenants, that's all of those chapters together. And the people again said, all that God asked us to do, we will do. On the next slide, we have mentioned on the 24th chapter in verse 12, that God not only wanted to give them the oral version of the 10 commandments, but he also wanted to give them the 10 commandments on tablets of stone. And so he calls Moses to come up to the top of Mount Sinai and he's going to deliver to him those tablets of stone, which is going to take several weeks for this to go uh, through. And so over those 40 days, you remember it's during that time that they turned themselves back to their old ways of Egypt and they began to worship a golden calf that they had made. Now, I'd like for you to notice that, let's go to the next slide real quick. Notice also though in 25 through 31 that there's a pattern of the tabernacle. And the pattern of the tabernacle, if you're familiar with Exodus, that's great. But if you're not, and you're trying to learn this study of covenants, I urge you to spend some time this week either reading this entire passages that we're talking about in Exodus, or at least giving some study to various parts of it. You may be shocked how much detail God gave to details. The idea that God is not concerned about details does not come from somebody that studied the word of God deeply. And so we see a lot of detail that he gives to this. But then as we go to uh, further and, and we see that, that God tells him, hey, you know, there's some bad things happening back now as, as the, while you're gone, the people have started worshiping a calf. And so I'd like for you to look with me at Exodus 32 verse seven. <coughs> The Lord said to Moses, go get down for your people whom you brought out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. And by the way, if you want just a little sideline humor as you read through Exodus, when the people don't do well, Moses calls them God's people and God calls them your people. It's just like mothers and fathers today. And then when they do well, they each call them their people. It's kind of interesting. All right, and in verse eight, they have turned aside quickly out of the way which I commanded them. They made themselves a, a molded calf. And so it, it's crazy how, how this covenant, that remember, they rose up and they said, all that the Lord asked us, we will do. And now within a few weeks, they're violating the first two of the commandments that God gave them. It's, it's, it's just amazing our human nature and how quickly we forget. And so I wanna again remind you, it's in this setting that, that God goes through the, the punishing of them and 3,000 souls die because of their rebellion. And it's in this setting that, that Moses pleads with God not to give up on them and to walk with them. And God says, no, you remember that angel? I'm gonna let the angel go and I'm not gonna go. And it's in Exodus 32 and 33 that, that is some of the greatest passages in scripture dealing with what we're trying to accomplish this whole year. And it's the idea of not getting so wrapped up in God's blessings that you miss how awesome God is. And if you're not familiar with Exodus 32 and 33, you must take time to read it this week and just think, what if God offered you the opportunity to stay in a land, in a tent with rebellious people or you could follow an angel and he would take you to a land of plenty. You'd have your own houses, your own fortified cities. The only difference is the presence of God is here and God is not gonna go here. He's just gonna let his angel lead you. Which one would you take? 
How important is it to you to know that you are living in a close relationship with God, that you're living in his presence? And so that's what he says there. And that's why we get to Exodus, the 34th chapter, where we began today in Exodus 34 and verse 10. And he said, behold, I make a covenant before all your people. I will do marvels such have not been done in all the earth, nor in any nation and all the people among whom you shall see the works of the Lord. For it's an awesome thing that I will do. They got to that point because Moses said, we're not leaving this place not being led by your angel. We won't leave this place and we're being led by you. And that's a part of why, since they're being led by God, he's gonna show them marvelous things. We'll continue this study in the weeks to come and even get to the new covenant. But this morning, as we are about to sing a song of encouragement, I just wanna ask you a basic question. Do you know God? Do you know that he's so much more than just a a peer that's a good buddy? Do you know that he's so much more than just like a superhuman or a superhero? Do you know that he is God? And the marvelous works that he can do, no other can do. And that he has a future for you that nobody else can offer. Are you walking with him? He loves you. He's gracious. He's merciful. It doesn't matter what your past has been. He wants you to walk with him. But it's conditional. You have to decide if you're going to. And if you've never begun that journey to to journey through this life with the Lord, why not this morning? What a great way to remember this weekend. The weekend you begin laying down your life completely to the Lord. If you're ready to be baptized into Christ for the remission of your sins, to come up out of that water forgiven, why not this morning? Maybe you need to renew that relationship with God and repent and pray forgiveness. If we can help in any way, come as we stand as we sing. I worship and I